Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding Peaks. Uh, I'm Jason Friesma, Chief Clinical Officer of Peaks Recovery, joined today with by my co-host, Chris Burns, President and Founder of Peaks Recovery. Uh, we are really excited uh, to have um, Steve, and I suddenly forgot your last name, Steve. I apologize. Uh, Steve Taos. Steve Taos uh, of Coastwise Counseling in San uh, Pedro, uh, Los Angeles area of California. Uh, welcome. Uh, Steve, you and I had a chance to talk, I don't know, a month or two ago, and uh, we I thought we had a great conversation. And um, I, what I think I'd like for you to do first is maybe kind of introduce Coastwise Counseling and kind of talk about some of the uh, newer approaches that you're using to kind of help people out. I think starting with um, the emotional transformative therapy, I think, uh, honestly, I've been in this field a long time, and uh, you got to explain the therapy modality that, that I wasn't super familiar with. So I'd love to have kind of a similar conversation. So yeah, take it away. Thank you. Um, Jason, Chris, thanks for having me. It's a real treat and delight to to team up with um, people of your caliber and, and with your with your business and company and the offerings that you guys are doing for folks in Colorado. Um, and as both of you just said, I'm, I'm from San Pedro, California. I'm a, I'm a licensed marriage family therapist by trade uh, since 2008. And I have, a, I have a business called Coastwise Therapy and Coastwise Recovery. So one half of the business provides general mental health, anxiety, depression, marriage issues, the, the, the usual kind of gamut of mental health. And then we also have an outpatient drug and alcohol program focusing on um, developing sobriety. So we have two things that we're doing. I'm passionate about both, and I'm passionate to be kind of sharing with both of you who who, who do the same thing in Colorado. Um, and that's, that's a little bit about me, and then just to kind of return back to, if you'd like, I can start talking about emotional transformation yeah. therapy as one of the treatments that I offer clients. But before we even get into that, what what brought you into the counseling field? I usually like to ask mental health professionals that question, actually. So yeah, what, what brought you into this field? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, my, my first love was basketball, and I thought I was going to play for the Los Angeles Lakers, and then I, <laughs> I learned that I was not good enough to play for the Lakers, and I was going to have to have to choose something else. And so I, 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 I was always good at talking to people, and there was a time in my life where I was the... Uh, the class clown. I wasn't doing very good in school, and I was getting all, most of my attention negatively through um, disrupting teachers' lessons plans and, and, and joking. Uh, and then somewhere in, along the way, there was an elective, and, which essentially was a, a group therapy elective, which I didn't know that's what it was, conducted by a therapist. And then that, that therapist thought that I was intuitive and insightful and called my dad and told him that. And my dad thought I was he was getting a phone call for another detention or you know more <laughs> disruptive behavior, and it was a compliment that I really needed. I was I, I was kind of down on myself, and this adult person saw something intelligent in me, and it it, uh, it seared into my into my body and my spirit as something that that I could do. And then I went on to college eventually, and didn't know what to major in, and chose psychology, thinking well. There's a psychology to everything, so I'll just start here, and it wound up being a right fit. Um, and then later on, doing my own therapy and having my therapist affirm to me that this is something that I would be good at, nice. and then choosing to go to graduate school and pursue pursue this career. Awesome. Yeah. 
But I, I, I do like to say counselors, good counselors are usually born, not made. I mean, we do have to learn skills and that sort of thing, but it does seem to be the good ones. It's kind of an innate uh, capacity. I agree. I'm, I'm de- don't ask me to do your taxes or, or change your oil. I'd, I'd be one of those. <laughs> me either. I actually wanted... something I know how to do. I, I can do this. I actually wanted to be a uh, the point guard for the University of Arizona. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, going with my older brother and my grandmother to basketball games. And all I wanted to be was Damon Stoudemire. I mean, yeah. everything. And it fit me perfect because I'm about five foot nine on a good day. And uh, I too had to grapple with a little bit of that identity and purpose when that wasn't wasn't the case for me. <laughs> cool. Well, I was going to be a shooting guard for the Nuggets. So I'm glad uh, we've got this all worked out. <laughs> yeah, we can we can we, we can weave our, our our love of basketball and our childhood dreams into our podcast. Exactly, yeah. I like it. All right. So anyway, Steve, tell us about uh, emotional transformative therapy and how did you come across it? And yeah, give a description of it. So I came across this years ago. Again, I mentioned I was in my own therapy. Uh, my therapist at the time had discovered this and said, "Steve, this is the uh, this is the thing. You're really going to have to learn this. This is. I want you to trust me. I want you to say yes, and I want you to, you know, consider getting some continuing education in this." So I said, "Okay, I'll, I will. Um, I will learn." So that that I, I learned by dumb luck by just you know having the therapist that I had at the time. So. So I went on, there's five levels uh, of, of training for emotional transformation therapy. And essentially what it does is it, it, it is the following, right? So it's a it's an attachment-based therapy, right? So it, it attends to remembering that who's sitting across from you has an attachment style. Maybe it's secure, maybe it's avoidant, maybe it's resistant, ambivalent, or disorganized or any of these, right? And learning how to kind of Remember to connect with them and, and to, to to attune to that, give them a good attachment experience with you as a therapist. And I found that to be just stylistically uh, very much in, in my own styles. I really want to have a real relationship with the person sitting across with from me. Um, and this this therapy reminds me and forces me to like attune to that. Um, and then, and then coupling the 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 attachment style of the person with these visual tools. All right. So emotional transformation therapy is about using color and light, visual stimulus for precise brain stimulation. So there, the the person is going to get the healing quality of both light and color to. Um, attach and create its own, their own relationship to that with what they're working through. So what 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 I would kind of liken this to is um, like getting to like having a piano tuner tune the piano to just the right sound, right? Everybody has their own kind of frequency, yeah. and they vibrate in a different way depending on kind of what they're going through. You know, whether they're grieving the loss of their grandmother or their, you know. At the beach, looking out, looking out at the ocean, that, that they're gonna they're gonna feel a certain way, and the color and light can help um, induce or stimulate healing uh, outcomes. So, so um, I'll, I'll speak a little about each, right? So, so light is very well documented. You know, there's lots of people who who have talked about you know having seen the light or uh, the the white light of a near death experience or a light bulb popped off on their in their head and they had an aha moment or um, 
or people in Alaska who don't see the sun for several, you know, days throughout the year sitting under 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 lamps. So that there, there is a very real light um, healing property that happens. Okay. Then what, then what we've sort of discovered, so the lead pioneer is a man named Stephen Vasquez out of Dallas, Texas. He's a really brilliant mind, discovered that that color has the same thing. So all, all the color in the visual spectrum from you know red to violet, indigo, et cetera, uh, has its own energetic vibration, right? It's not just kind of uh, woo-woo, kind of Venice Beach stuff, but real science. And if you're taking this kind of energetic vibration of this color, and all the color also is shown to be specifically good for certain cognitive, emotional, spiritual, and physical states of being. So I can I can listen to someone talk about a particular problem and select a color that will help augment or accelerate how fast somebody can begin to work through a particular problem. And why that why why that is 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 we're tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system. Which is something that excites me in like the this next chapter of mental health, psychiatry, healing is how do you, how do we as professionals, as healers, induce that? How do we get somebody into their parasympathetic nervous system? If you're a listener or a layperson who doesn't know about that, that, this is where healing occurs. So it's the million dollar question that not every therapist and doctor has to answer. How, how, do you, how do you get somebody in their parasympathetic nervous system? Well, it's very, very hard to do with regular talk therapy. You know, it's very hard to do. Yeah. But the color and light in conjunction with, you know, attuning to attachment will help a person settle and drop into their parasympathetic nervous system. And they'll be able to cut through problems at an accelerated rate. They'll, they'll, they'll have emotional breakthroughs. They'll have cognitive clarity. Um, they'll, they'll even have physical relief in their body. Um, something that I didn't think I was going to be able to get as a mental health therapist, see somebody get physical benefit from uh, the, the emotional work that we're doing. Um, there's four primary tools. I don't know if I'm talking too much. I can stop here. Or if I, what would you like? This yeah, one? let's let's go through the tools, and then I actually yeah. want Chris to kind of react to what he, what we're hearing here because this he's hearing it for the first time. I'm sure. Okay, run on. Um, and, and forgive me if it's a little bit out of order. I'm just excited to share about a yeah. therapy that can work. So there's four primary tools, and, and I'll share uh, the, 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 about two of them most specifically. Uh, one tool is called the color spectral chart, and it's basically just a, a poster you can imagine looking at um, with has every has every color on it. it. Sort of looks like a psychedelic poster in a college kid's dorm room. It has every color in it. Um, the second tool is uh, a machine. It's called the uh, Chroma Pulse 2, and it emits color and light. So this is a very dynamic tool because you can use both, whereas the first tool I just mentioned is only color. And then the third tool, uh, they're called the color dowels. So you, they're like these little small sticks, and each one has its own color, red, blue, green, etc. And And those are used for specific kind of peripheral eye stimulation. I might liken that to what maybe an EMDR therapist does, uh, and, and you're targeting uh, the brain with with the brain very specifically with these different eye movements, and so is the the, the color uh, chart, and so uh, the light machine. And then the fourth is something called the uh, blackout goggles, and these are literally blackout goggles that have just two little small peepholes in them, and you can turn them into specific positions so that you you can very precisely aim where a light enters the eye that corresponds to certain parts of the brain that stimulate certain 
responses in a person. Okay, so um, why that's interesting, the the, the visual stimulation and, and aiming that directly in the brain is, they used to say, like a person might say, look, I, my identity is a depressed person. I'm just, that's just how I am. Um, and that's not necessarily true. What, what's true is that there's a part of the brain that's managing the depressed problem and it's not very good at that. And this therapy will serve to locate and find that area of the brain and the other part of the brain that manages it better and moving that information or that area that governs that to a part that knows how to do it better. And how that's done is with the color and light. I wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. So, so I'll speak about the color chart a bit and then I will choose, and then I'll talk a little bit about the light machine because those are the two most exciting. So this color chart, I just wanted to, did you want to say something? Yeah, I, it, yeah. Why, why don't you describe those two, and then yeah, we'll just have a quick conversation about it. Sure. So the color chart is a great diagnostic tool. When when I begin with a client in early treatment, I like to have them um, talk about their primary issue and look at each of these colors one by one, discovering which which one of these colors is easy for them to look at. Which color is difficult to look at? So, what happens is there will be some colors that they can look at straight on, and there'll be no visual distortion. That's very important. Is you want to find the bit where 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 they distort the color. So, what I mean by that is they might be looking at green, and then on the chart, the, the, their eyes expanded, and it looks like the whole chart's green, or or it looks like the yellow is kind of darting into it, or it's shrinking, or they see something in that. What, what that visual distortion is letting me know is that they're not oriented, right? So where, where this is really a gift in my work is people dissociate. And I used to think that only really highly traumatized people like a combat veteran dissociate. It's not true. You know, regular old people just like you and I get emotionally overloaded and we dissociate. But in therapy, that dissociation can be very slight and very subtle and not detectable to the person and not detectable to the therapist. And and what, what that color distortion is identifying is a form of dissociation with a specific color that corresponds to a certain type of cognitive or emotional or spiritual state. Mm-hmm. And so what it's doing is it's 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 simplifying for me precisely where the area of treatment needs to become targeted. Uh, and I can save people time, and I can orient them quicker and move them through problems faster, just by just by employing the use of color. So that 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 particular tool is a favorite because it's it 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 will precisely aim therapy, yeah, and orient and and let me know precisely when they're when they're dissociated and not fully present for the issue. The second tool is the color light machine. So you can imagine sitting in the dark in an actual machine that emits color. And I can I can blend those colors. So I can take red and green and blue and 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 blend them so that they match the emotional experience that the client is having in the moment, how they're attaching, how they're relating in the moment with the color, with the issue that they're working on. And what's what's cool about that is this this becomes very physical. What what I found is people's stuff is in their body. And it's hard to get at all that stuff that's in their body. And as they're looking at the color and the light, they'll tell you, like, you know, my shoulders are really crunching up and it doesn't feel very good. And I'll start to adjust the color 
and this would be a blue issue by the way, I would start blending blue or removing the blue until they say it's better or it's worse. And then I'll, I'll ask them, let me know when it's better or it's worse. And when it's better, they'll go, it's better, but now it's in my ear. Now, now it's, it's kind of like the feeling is in my ear. And I, and I change the color again. And what, what that, it sort of becomes like a cat and mouse from chasing this little physical symptom out of their body uh, while they're having these emotional experience, while they're having different memory. And it makes the therapy very dynamic. Yeah. Chris, I, I'd love to hear what you hear and all that. Yeah. I mean, this has just got my wheels turning. This is the first time I've heard of it and a great explanation. So thank you very much. You know, I've spent the last three years personally on a personal journey in uh, SE therapy. And when you're talking, you know, being able to move people much quicker, I found myself, even as a, someone in long-term recovery, really struggling to find the somatic areas in my body and to attune to those. Because my brain, for so many years, it kept me so safe. And so with this light mm -hmm. therapy, it, it appears to be such a dynamic way, to your point, to get people to settle and to get into that parasympathetic nervous system. It took me 11 years into recovery and I had to go to the Meadows Behavioral Health and get into my parasympathetic nervous system for the first time. And I've been working at it ever since. But I think uh, maybe to your point a little bit, there's a lot of things in our world and in life that pull away from the opportunity to get into that system. Uh, there's a lot of barriers to that. A, mainly, I got to go back to work. <laughs> And this seems like a really, really cool modality that can help people get grounded and settled and safe much quicker than even something like an SE therapy that's in the body. But most certainly, as you said, the talk therapy, what are you finding for people when they come in as far as getting into the body? Does that happen pretty quickly after that first session? Or does that, um, does that take a little bit of time, a little bit more rapport building? Because my experience with other modalities, absent of talk therapy, it takes a bit of work to really get into that and a lot of time and effort. Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. You know, I think I meet people who are more open. I meet people who are more naturally sensitive and, and the color and light will have immediate, um, impact on them and they'll, 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 they'll be able to report things in their body. And then there's people like you're describing, or maybe maybe it's part of your journey, that are that are less that way. They're they're less connected, or they're just, you know, my opinion, they're just kind of more uh, bulkier type. You know, that takes them a little longer to connect to what's actually happening in their body. And so that I meet though, I'll, I'll, I'll I might have somebody who is describing something that's clearly pretty hard hitting, and they're they're pretty non reactive. And so, so, so from that perspective, I, I know like they're really disconnected. They're, they're, they're pretty well disconnected from it because they're talking about something so hard hitting without, without much, um, change in their, in their body. And so it's both, right. It can take, it can take a while. It can take a while, but a lot of times I find that the results come more quickly. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's very safe, obviously, unless you have a seizure issue. Uh, and, and it'll help inspire connection to the body and the spirit. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, lo I love how you um, stay out of, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with the modality, you tend to stay out of the bulky parts of the story, if you will, a kind of a lot like SC is, is we get into the body and we explore the body, things come up. But as a practitioner, I'm sure, sure on the client level, it's quite nice to be able to move through something where I'm not retelling all of my shame and pain and every single session we can really get into 
what matters in that body and that that mind body connection. Well, what does happen to your point is because it so easily or quickly gets people into that healing part of their physiology. It's kind of like we're in, we'll talk about this later with psychedelics, but like basically what's achieving is it's slowing down the amygdala. It's, it's causing that kind of fear center that gets caught up in those you know bulky details, um, and softens that so they can begin to use their other parts of their you know emotional range or their spiritual range or their you know, intelligence to start kind of unhooking, solving, healing these kind of difficult things without it being like too much time in the, the bulk of all the, the content. Yeah, I think I, I I love that about um, ETT and I think somatic experiencing has similar qualities and um, I, I like that our field is learning that like we don't have to rehash every detail of a trauma to have, for people to find <laughs> healing. Um, because that almost creates an exposure type environment. And I think EMDR actually can be pretty uh, intense and kind of expose people to a lot of things that, that uh, where they struggle to stay in that parasympathetic uh, nervous system. So um, I really appreciate uh, your, your pretty thorough description of it. Um, and so let, let's transition uh, first to ketamine assisted therapy, uh, which is uh, again, kind of a, a newer approach. Um, we, we're finding uh, I think we're finally starting to find our groove here at Peaks where we're getting some efficacy with the ketamine-assisted therapy, uh, particularly with uh, treatment refractory uh, depression, uh, people who, in even um, high degree of uh, uh, suicidal ideation, that doesn't seem to move much with uh, other medi medications and uh, psychotherapy. Um and the use of kind of a six series uh, set of ketamine uh, infusions, what we're using here, uh, does seem to kind of help people be able to dissociate and maybe uh, detach from some of those uh, negative cognitions that they tend to be stuck in. I, I'm curious kind of how you, Steve, are using ketamine-assisted therapy and and what, what drew you to this modality. Yeah. Uh Man, you guys are so cool. I, I, I am, I am, I am, I am impressed. I'm so stoked that you, that you guys are thinking this way and and implementing this into your uh, services for people. Like, like, like I'll, I'll just I'll move into it just a moment. But like the, this next this next chapter of mental health and psychiatry and well being, I, I think it really I think it really is you know color and light. It's it's uh, it's neurofeedback. It's um, you know. I think a lot of like Gabor Mate and Bezel Van der Kolk's work around getting people back into movement in their body, you know, um, and 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 it's psychedelics, yeah, right. The, the, these 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 modalities and therapies are effective, and they're intelligent, and ketamine assisted psychotherapy is one of them. So, what what I uh, what I can say about it is probably my personal experience and probably my professional experience. My personal experience is maybe 10 years ago, I, I, I uh, had my first intentional ceremonial psychedelic journey. Um, I didn't fully understand what I was signing up for. People who took me there, I had a transformational experience. Um, and it caused for me to become very interested in these uh, plant medicines, synthetics, and and the firepower they were rolling out and how fast they were rolling out that kind of firepower 
um, how fast people could heal and really change. So I, when ketamine became known to me as a therapist, as like a, you know, above board treatment, I went and got trained. I trained with Bill Wolfson in San Francisco, at the ketamine training center. Mm-hmm. And then I've since implemented it into my work. And I, 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 I work mostly with uh, intramuscular injection and sublingual lozenges. Um, there's different routes of administration, as you know. Yeah. Uh, th- these are the two that that I use. And um, what what I what I what I really like about ketamine specifically, we can talk about many psychedelics, but we're, we're talking about ketamine now. Is ketamine is is a safe medicine. It is long used. It's it, it's very well known in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't disturb uh, respiration. There there are very few things that would that would disqualify a person medically from from use. I mean, you would want to use this with people who have, you know, um, psychiatric problems like uh, thought disorders. Sure, it's a very 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 safe medicine. And what I really like about it is it's a medicine that I believe is going to be a bridge and gateway to other healing psychedelics, right? So uh, ketamine is is a, a classified, in the, it's an NMDA antagonist, and, and they think it moves in the glutamate receptor area, neurotransmitter side of the brain. And that's significant because then that means it doesn't doesn't get into SSRI world, serotonin right. world. Yeah. Like, this means like a person who's really depressed or really anxious or really traumatized, these people are, are are probably on psychotropic medication that's going to immediately disqualify them from other psychedelics, like mushrooms, like MDMA, like many of them, ayahuasca. They're not going to be able to do them, but they can do ketamine. Right. Oh, that's cool. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a different neurotransmitter, exactly. Different system. Yeah. Right, and it's and it, 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 it only lasts an hour, and and it, and it, and, it, and it gives people the break of normal mind. Like the, the, the thing that's so cool about it is, you know, like I think how I think, I feel how I feel. I understand the world, how I understand the world. My brain is programmed the way my brain is programmed. My, my default network is what it is. And it's very hard to, to have a break from that or adjust that. And ketamine will allow that to happen. It's also a dissociative anesthetic, right? So it causes that break of normal mind and introduces a psychedelic experience with new access to new thinking new emotional experiences, new, new spiritual experiences. And, and people come back feeling better. It has, uh, as you know, it has a very robust, very robust antidepressant quality. So if someone's really depressed or suicidal, it'll, it'll, it'll probably really relieve a lot of that most of the time. Uh, and then, and then it's indicated for a lot of the things I've, I've seen people, you know, work through a lot of substance use issues. I've seen people work through, uh, longstanding anxiety issues or traumas. Um, it's good for spiritual growth. It, it's really, it's really a wonderful medicine, and I'm glad that it's becoming more readily available. I do think it needs to be done um, with professional hands, curated and intelligently. Um, I think there's a lot of things that can go wrong, but these are some of my immediate thoughts about yeah. my admiration for the medicine. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's shown to be super powerful. And in, in kind of preparing to talk to you, I, I came across. Uh, this concept, um, at least uh, that I was reading about, uh, about um, how we identify, we build a lot of our identity basically on giving ourselves feedback, where we are kind of looking in the past and kind of building out our identity and um, 
some of the the ketamine assisted therapy documentation that I was looking at talked about uh, ketamine allowing people to give themselves feed forward, where they're able to kind of project forward and build an identity uh, looking forward rather than just only building it based upon things we have done in the past. And I found that to be fairly intriguing. I haven't had any opportunity to do anything with that uh, feedback, and I don't know how that strikes you, Steve, but that that concept was brand new to me um, as of yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what I could say that's kind of relates to that is my own personal experiences with medicine. I think if if you're going to be sharing it and offering it or teaching it or, you know, giving it to, to clients that you, you have the experience with the medicine yourself. And my experience with the medicine, it has a, it's good for my existence. I find that like it, it helps remind me about all of existence and my place in it mm-hmm. and, 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 and how to be in the world, right? Like I kind of, kind of remember things or are shown things about, yeah, how to live. Right. And so to me, that, that feels like kind of feed forward where I kind of come out of these and I'm, I, I'm, I'm in touch with some form of love or some form of like wisdom about how to conduct myself internally and externally in relationship to myself and my world that, that, that just feels healthier um, and smarter than, you know, an hour before when I went, before I went in into the journey. And that's what I've seen with clients. I, I find a lot of clients come out and they have those types of feed forward experiences. I mean, sometimes they come out and there's lots of turmoil, um, which is why you want a good therapist or a doctor who's helping them make sense of all that. But generally speaking, I think feed forward's a great uh, way of talking about you know what what it what it can do for people. Yeah, yeah, I I really appreciate you you checking in with that, and I had no idea that um, folks that were on SSRIs were a candidate for ketamine. I mean, that, that just warms my heart. Um, I come from a very, uh, in Prescott, Arizona, I'm sure you see a lot of it in Southern California. Lord knows they have quite a few treatment providers out there that are 12-step based. What are you doing for individuals who are coming to you that maybe have had um, trauma resilient, we'll call it, some people call it uh, treatment resistant tendencies, and they just haven't, you know, they've been to five to 10 treatments and they've been fed, you know, the book from 1935, which has a lot of great tools in it, but it really butts up against some of these opportunities that we have uh, to satiate the nervous system, to see forward, to be objective with our experience, potentially the emotions that are associated with it. How do you chop through the shame that's going to come up? Because I can remember signing up for, uh, I'm going to Costa Rica for my first ayahuasca retreat in February of next year. And I remember going into my therapist, and this was months ago. And I said, Polly, I got a little bit of shame here. And I said, I'm doing this ayahuasca thing. And I, you know, I'm not a 12-stepper anymore. I'm a mountaineer. I take people outside, but she goes, Chris, stop it. I'm doing my ketamine-assisted therapy next week. I said, all right. And that was what it took for me to walk through that. But talking yeah. about somebody new to recovery, how do you walk through that with them? Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that, now, I'm, now I'm so glad that you brought that up. And for, for listeners, I hope that this becomes like one of the more interesting parts of our conversation is, um, you know, not all the shoes fit, right? You got to, it's a case-by-case basis. You got to decide if this is a, the, the right right shoe and this could be a right way of healing but you know first and foremost i i i love the 12 steps it's been a long time in a 12 step program myself i could probably still recite like many of the popular passages of that book sponsored and sponsored people like i i, I know this philosophy very well and i have a great admiration for it um 
and it, and it, and it's, you know, it's something that to really think about. I think, you know, I, I have some, some colleagues who have treatment centers here in California and their position is most people are going to relapse. Like, like, like relapse is a very, a very common part of the healing process for addiction. Most people don't get it right the first try. And so his thought is, let's give him ketamine. Like maybe it will help induce the psychic change that Bill Wilson and Dr. Silkworth talk about and, and Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, maybe it won't, but it does have a very strong effect on reducing alcohol. We've seen that in the science, right? So it's it's something to like really think about. Um, and there's like, you know, there's different people in, in, in AA or like, let's say like uh, the Pacific group have very strong opinions about um, what medicines you can take and not take. And um, I don't care. What I, what I care about is if it works. And, I, and I've seen reduction with, 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 you know, substance use through, through ketamine. And I've heard these wonderful stories. I, I, I met a man who, who, who was one of those very deeply entrenched meth addicts who tried to do like a cop suicide, you know, to provoke the cops to shoot him. He had one single ayahuasca ceremony, never used meth ever again. And I have a colleague of mine who spent many a year, I'm addicted to heroin, almost died of heroin, um, had Ibogaine treatments in Mexico, uh, totally obliterated her opiate addiction and hasn't used ever since. Um, and so for, for, for someone who's new in recovery, I'm not sure that I would immediately move to a psychedelic as a treatment option, but I would certainly consider it and I would certainly use it if I thought I was appropriate. Um, and then definitely with more established recovery, I just worked, just worked uh, recently with two different men who are longtime AA old timers who had nagging depression and nagging anxiety and nagging issues that were obstructing more relational fulfillment and safely underwent ketamine treatment, got a lot of good benefit and, and did not um, do not, you know, pick up. Yeah. I love that. And it just, it's, it's really exciting to hear. I mean, old timers and the like it, I think I remember, um, uh, we had a mature adult in our program that was 74 years old and was one of our first candidates, um, for ketamine and just the ability to move through issues and areas in which we're, they're stuck. And I just, I wanted to ask that question because I believe when we can get the depth and weight of the honest truth behind some of these medications into those rooms in a formidable way and a connected way, I think we begin to start to save a lot of lives that would have otherwise been lost. And one of my um, status experiences as being a part of the 12-step program is I would come in as a young adult and you know Joe would be there with 15 years. And then I'd come back the next day and he'd be gone. And maybe if I'm lucky, I get to see him again in three weeks and he's lost everything. And so I, I'm hopeful that now that he's these new progressive modalities and these opportunities to really just meet people where they're at can speak to some of the old timers and maybe create an opportunity for them to work on their mental health. Cause let's face it. When, when we started, you know, in 1935, we just wasn't a lot of psychotherapy going on and there wasn't a lot of talk of mental health. And if there was, uh, you certainly weren't hanging out in that AA meeting. So I just appreciate the breadth of fresh air on this modality and the way that you explain it and its intention. Um, I think most people can probably see themselves in their recovery long-term benefiting from something like that. Yeah. I think also is just like, you know, my, my, 
my like deepest kind of you know regard for 12-step philosophy because you know people who really who really do it, it it will save their life but i think one of the things that it has not done to your point is it doesn't always relieve the, the, the other types of pains, the, you know, sadnesses or depressions or, or traumas. And what I think is exciting is, is an inter cross intersection between therapy and let's say 12 step or psychedelics to be able to introduce something like MDMA or mushrooms to help overcome those, those, those issues. So that people really have a good life and really have like a, a more fulfilled experience. And I think a lot of the other psychedelics remind and teach people over and over again that there's such a bigger experience to be had um, where that, that, that far, you know, supersedes and outweighs, you know, getting drunk, for example, and their, their lives really get better. You know, that, that's, that's really what I'm interested in. And kind of why I'm healthfully jealous of you guys from Colorado, right? <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you guys can do more right now. Cause like, that's what it's about, right? I, I think, you know, you, you know, you, you're offering in mind, it's, it's really about giving people a good life, man. Like I, I what, what I really want to say is I, I want to live a good life. I want everyone else to have a good life. You have a certain amount of time on the ride before you die. Right. And so while you're here, it ought to be good. And if it works, then it works. Right. And so like, I always tell people, if you're going to work with me, I'm going to give you what I got. I'm going to give you everything I got to help you win at this thing. I want you to have the life that you envision in your mind. And, and, and I will use as many of the tools as I can to, to help you get there, you know, and, and, and implementing psychedelics is going to be, it's going to be so, um, it's going to be so helpful to people, you know, especially when you combine that with like the care of a good doctor or a good therapist, uh, you know, nice, uh, all the rest, you know, environment and peers, et cetera. So. Yeah, I think it, it, it is a beautiful thing about being here in Colorado with this Prop 122 that we passed and that, you know, hopefully within the next couple of years, we'll be able to really uh, expand what we are doing and move beyond just the ketamine-assisted um, therapy and really move into more of the plant-based medicine as well. Um, and it just kind of in the, in the brief time we have remaining, I did kind of just want to talk about uh, even uh, the use of psilocybin. And... Uh, the more kind of research and in, in, uh, in my own experience with psilocybin, uh, I, I've been reminded, I, I was listening to a different podcast uh, called Radio Lab, and it's actually a science podcast. And um, it was about uh, how the, sorry, I'm about to go on a little tangent, but I'm going to bring it around. Hopefully you can track with me. But it was about how uh, forests are connected. All the trees in the forest communicate with one another. And this is new stuff, right? Like they started figuring out that trees were transferring nutrients to sick trees through the mycelium, right? Through fungi, through mushrooms. Um, and if a tree, a tree would signal to other trees in the forest that like something unsafe is happening or a disease is coming or an infestation is coming or we're running out of water over here and they can transfer nutrients or if a tree is beginning to actually perish, it will dump its nutrients into the mycelium and mycelium will spread the nutrients out um, to the other trees. And then I start to think about the psychedelic journey on mushrooms and how parallel that is, right? 
there's a there's a contact with humanity that I think can come through a psychedelic journey with with psilocybin that does the exact same connections of you realize your place in the world and you realize your place in the forest of people, if you will. And, and there's an exchange going on and, and, uh, that could be done through this, uh, psilocybin. And I, and that may be a little bit far out. I don't know if there's a question in there, Steve, but. Um, no, I love what you're saying. I got all kinds of ideas and responses to that. <laughs> no, throw, throw one or two out there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And I'd love to hear yes. what you have to say, Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> an emphatic yes to is the answer to that. That 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 is that is that is the real. That is that is nature, and we we are nature, right? Right. That it's true. Right. Like I I I heard the saying that there was a the example you used was a collection of trees that were near a water source, uh, and and they were aware that there was a tree that was uh, some distance away, like over whenever I got fifty yards or whatever, that couldn't access the water as well. And the trees shuttled the water under the ground to the other tree, right? Mm-hmm. And that this is this is nature, and I'll, I'll you know relate it to humanity is nature wants to do that, right? It, it it wants to be harmonious. It wants to repair. It wants to make things better, right? And our brain is the same way. Once the brain understands a better way to do something, it will it'll always want to do it that way. It's it's just it's just the nature of things, and so mushrooms, you know, for me mushrooms, you know, the, the, they're nicknamed the teacher, and that's because they are they're just very wise, and and they're they're it's a if you're thinking from evolutionary perspective, if there was nothing on the earth, the first thing that would grow would be the mushrooms, the fungus, <laughs> and so they're they're the oldest, right, and the wisest, and 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 they will they they kind of help shuttle the the resource or help shuttle the the information, right, where they're they're helping the trees take that nutrient or water across to another tree it wants to do that and and we're no different right so if we're just to change the word tree to human right like the the engagement the relationship between a human being and the mushroom is the same the mushroom will begin to um relate and provide resource uh in the form of wisdom or you know emotional relief or creativity because um, that's its nature. Want, it want, the mushrooms want to do that, and in my experience, is our brains want to upgrade. They want to yield, and so yeah. I think with intention, what, what I suggest is what I do, or what I ask people to do is like be in relationship with the mushroom. Understand that it wants to wants to wants to connect with you. Wants to work with you, mm. and then it does right. And then something yeah. something something very miraculous and cool happens. It's hard to replicate you know in, in another in other ways it can obviously be done but it's, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing that the that the, that the human human person and the mushroom can do together yeah wasn't that uh the netflix change your mind yeah how to change your mind. I, I think that's yeah. when i initially saw it and from an evolutionary perspective those guys really believe in the depth and weight of these um this mycelium and it's 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 really cool the way that you guys identify how the mushroom kind of works with you, um, and can create an experience and, and more objectively create an experience of which you don't have to necessarily tether to or be over emotional with. You can kind of see it in front of you, and if it doesn't, you know, you can let it pass or bring it in or intentionalize it or integrate it. I love that opportunity um, because for whatever reason, when you get into 
talk therapy so often you get these dead ends and I don't remember or these blank spots. And that was the story of really the, my first 10 years of recovery. And I was one of those people that sat in Alcoholics Anonymous for the first six years. And I was the secretary of the meeting that had a little bit of depression, thought about drinking each day, but because I loved the community so much and the people were like family to me, I stuck around, was able to do it. But I look back at that experience and offering up something like psilocybin or potentially even ketamine um, probably could have created a quality of life in my first six or seven years of recovery that was better than a six out of 10. Um, and this is so exciting for people coming in now because they're really, at least in the Peaks experience, we're getting to introduce them to the best of what we have a lot like you do with your clients um, and walk with them in that journey. And we're seeing people at Peaks coming into inpatient treatment settling in the first three to five days because they know, well, first they can see their recovery inside our program because it's broad, it's open-minded, um, and it has these offerings that you talk about that I think really have the ability to move people on um, and get to a safe place much quicker than they would otherwise. Yeah, think about it this way. Like, imagine this, like just kind of being in the metaphor, Chris, like uh -huh. you, you're in these uh, AA meetings, you're, you know, you're, you're the secretary, you have your regular folks that are coming in, you love the community, right? That Those are the trees, right? The trees, the trees yeah. are like, we, we want to give you the shade. We want to shuttle the nutrients to you. Let's go to coffee. Let me, I want to give, you know, give you a cake on your birthday or, you know, read the book with me, you know, and they, they, they that it's the same thing. Right. And if you could imagine if, if that was just more acceptable, right? Like you can have the wonderful benefit of that community and be like, no, and, 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 and I can also have uh, mushrooms. I can also have the relationship that mushrooms offer me kind of internally. Right. And being able to have, have both, right? Have both to, to, to have a more fulfilling life experience, a healthier, more well experience. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think, I think for a long time, especially young adults. And when I got into this, I was 22 years old and I, I literally thought it was a life sentence to mediocrity. Mm. And so recovery was because we have this allergy and we got to walk through and we got to do these things that other people can't do. And this, this new way of thinking is, is quite the opposite of that. Um, you can have everything that you could have ever imagined. Um, we just have to walk through these certain steps and develop this um, authentic and vulnerable connection with others. Um, yeah. We have this opportunity to recover in a way that I don't think was possible before. Just really cool stuff to sit here watching. I'm just like, oh my goodness, cool. Yeah. I think I think what'll be interesting to see is you know mushrooms are, are you know mind medicine. They 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 are good for depression, but it'll it'll be interesting when and if they allow something like MDMA or I know there are kind of plant versions of MDMA yeah. that will allow like uh, heart medicine with mind medicine together to really, really deeply um, transform a person's experience. Right now, I, I think we, you guys can't use MDMA yet, right? No. Or you can use uh, plant versions of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And, and even then it can't be used in kind of formal, I mean, it's, we're in a nebulous area right now. You, yeah. you know, it's a little unclear and certainly, yeah, a lot of things are still in the line and insurance and that sort of thing, uh, <laughs> still trying to sort it all out, but of course, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Steve, uh, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I, I feel like we should talk again, like in six months or a year and have you back on here and like, let's just see where all this is going. And uh, I, I really appreciate your passion. It gets me really fired up if I'm going to be honest with you about, um, where this whole movement is going. Um, it, I, I'd love for you to kind of do a little 
promo of uh, Coastwise, if you don't mind. Throw out your website or and uh, talk about how people can reach you real quick, and then uh, we'll we'll sign off for the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, I would love to be come back in, in a half year, a year. Uh, I love I like the friendship that we're that we're building. You got great. I think I think any client that comes to you is going to be very well served and very lucky. Um, and I, and I and I hope that you'll have that experience with with Coastwise. Um, if you want to find me, you can go to um, CoastwiseCounselingCenter.com. dot That's the therapy side, or you can go to Coastwise Recovery Center. That's the outpatient drug and alcohol side. Um, and follow all the links. Uh, my my phone number's on there. Um, and what what I would say to any kind of like would be listeners or people who who are looking to heal. Um, in, in any way you need to, it's like, really, I, I said it earlier, um, to, the Coastwise brand, all my therapists, my whole team, myself, what, what, what we believe in is that you deserve to have a good life. Mm-hmm. You get one time on the ride, it should be a good one. If you choose to work with us, we're going to be honest with you. We're going to be caring towards you and we're going to give you a really solid experience and we're going to do our best to help you. Uh, have more of the life experience that that you know is really possible for you. I mean, it would be a delight to to at least answer questions, or if one day it felt right for you to work work with me or any of my team, um, that would be it would be a real um, delight, and I'd be grateful to have you. So, um, thank you for for having me on, guys. Uh, any listeners out there, thanks for thanks for listening, and I hope to I hope to you know keep up the the relationship and the friendship with you guys at Peaks. Yeah. Um, I- Really looking forward to that as well. And uh, next time I'm in the LA area, I, I plan on looking you up, Steve. I'd love to get coffee or something with you. And um, really appreciate you. And I, I think anyone who goes to Coast Coastwise is uh, fortunate to have somebody so innovative and, and kind of uh, putting forward um, where we're going as a field rather than uh, where we've been as a field. So I, I appreciate that. And uh, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off, please. Uh, follow us on Finding Peaks uh, or follow Finding Peaks. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok. There we go. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, of course, uh, Instagram. Um, feel free to email email us at questions at findingpeaks.com. Um, and, uh, and with that, we'll sign off. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Peace. Peace.